0: This is The Hash Podcast.
1: Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world, all on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network.
0: Taco Tuesday, and you are watching The Hash on Coindesk TV. (laughs) If you're listening, you're listening on The Coindesk Podcast Network. And to all you taco people out there with Web3 Projects, we are down to collaborate. And Wendy O is going to lead that mission for us. So have your people call our people. Now we got to get to some serious news. Will, what's going on with 3AC?
2: We got the first tweet from Suzu in quite a while talking about the liquidation event that they're trying to go through right now. Some creditors are trying to have been taking their funds and there's some court orders going out. Suzu tweeted about how uh, the liquidators were not acting in good faith in regards to some token holdings that were under contract by Three Eros Capital. Three Eros Capital, of course, does not have the ability to exercise some of these options right now because these court-appointed liquidators are in control of their books. Uh, This comes after last week, last Friday, when we found out that Suzu and Kyle Davies, who are the co-founders of Three Eros Capital, are on the run or at least they're not in Singapore. Their offices were locked, there was mail stacked in front of the door, and the location and whereabouts of these two crypto behemoths is unknown. David, I want to throw this one over to you. To me, this is just another step in the saga that is 3AC. They went from the top of the crypto world now to the very bottom, and we don't even know where they are. Yeah, very bottom, and this is kind
3: of discount rebuttal. This is just an attempt to reframe them as the victims when that is clearly not what's going on here. Suzu has tweeted twice about operating in good faith, but both times that was after they have simply disappeared and refused to pay back uh, or even engage in dialogue with people who they owe hundreds of millions of dollars. So he's just, you know, brazenly misrepresenting what he's doing. There was some, and and I don't know a ton about this, so take this with a grain of salt, but starkware is the token uh in question here that is a project that people have been fairly excited about for a long time and i saw at least some chatter on twitter that this may be the first confirmation that starkware is issuing a token that's actually probably more interesting in the big picture than whatever the substance of suzu's uh claims are here it's whatever it's just a guy who's backed into a corner who's saying whatever he in his little frightened brain thinks is going to get him out of the trouble that he got himself into jen i saw your hand up
0: yeah you know i just wanted to say this isn't the first time we've seen this story right a crypto company blows up retail customers are affected and then the founders just disappear it's kind of disheartening to to see that this keeps happening over and over again i was reading that both co-founders were on a zoom call last friday with their cameras off and muted Just listening in. And I wouldn't be surprised if we just never see or hear from these guys again. And everyone who was affected by this are just kind of left with their hands up in the air. I would love to see more accountability in the future and some kind of guardrails put in place so that these people can't just run away and disappear. It seems like it's becoming too commonplace. Like we hear about this too often in crypto. And uh, I just don't, I don't want to hear about that anymore. David?
3: My only optimistic take on that is just that I think that in this case, it's too big a deal for them to simply disappear. I mean, best case scenario for them, perhaps, is they're able to find some non-extradition country they can flee to. But if they do that, they'll never be able to return to the United States, to other uh, Western countries where if they simply disappeared, there would be warrants issued for their arrests. And, you know, I will say they do have legal teams in place that are doing formal processes. You know, there is some procedural stuff going on. I guarantee you they're thinking about disappearing completely. But, you know, I, I don't think that that's actually going to work out for them. I mean, this is at a scale that we haven't seen before, and the consequences are going to be commensurate.
1: Can I chime uh, in on this? Please. I want to I actually want to say because I read the tweet that he put out and it just didn't sit right with me when you're talking about having some sort of good faith or even using a comment like that, it just kind of shows how egotistical you are. The fact that they did not show good faith to other parties that they were dealing with was very, very disheartening. So why should people show them the same type of decency and respect? But I don't think they're actually going to be able to fully, fully, full on flee. They can, they can try to, but at the same time, they're very, very well-known. People are going to spot them somewhere. It's going to get out. They would really have to kind of abandon everything that they have. They're, They're in the court system now. They have a team of attorneys that's, you know, Going to try to help and protect them and whatnot because that's their attorney's job. But at the same time, I don't feel sorry for them. And I also want to, anybody that's watching right now, people that you do business with in crypto, they're not your friends, they're your allies. And just remember that an ally can also turn into an enemy at a different time when the narrative doesn't suit them anymore. But I guess kind of going into my story, this one's kind of a sad one, but it's also a very important story to know. We did have a lot of airdrop seasons that had happened in the past, and people love to click on links, myself included. But at the same time, I think that this story is important to bring up because a Uniswap user lost approximately $8 million worth of Ethereum in a phishing attack. So basically what the attacker did is they went ahead and they enticed users with a fake Uniswap airdrop message. And after you interact with phishing message, it gave the underlying smart contract permission to transfer assets out and gain full control of a user's wallet. These funds from this particular attack have been sent to Tornado Cash, and they're probably gone now. And I also actually saw the story break when CZ tweeted about it. And I do prefer bear market CZ's tweeting over bull market CZ's (laughs) tweeting. It's a lot more insightful. But I think that this story is a good story to talk about, probably different offset tactics that we all use or things just to kind of remember so people don't get wrecked.
3: Yeah. And one thing to point out, and Will, you might be able to correct me here if I get anything wrong, but my takeaway from our write-up was that this didn't involve just an email phishing attempt somebody actually airdropped tokens directly into people's wallets that were part of the scam. Just on an OPSEC level, that's a basic thing to be aware of, is that you don't have to give anybody permission to put something in your crypto wallet any more than you have to give them permission to email you. So the fact that something shows up in your wallet doesn't mean that it's legitimate. And I I don't know the details, but there was at least mentioned that the phishing site was embedded in the code of the tokens that were dropped. So as people went to try and figure out what had suddenly appeared in their wallets, they might have then followed that lead to get fished on what was set up as a basically fake copy of the Uniswap front end. So that's just one OPSEC point is just because it showed up in your wallet doesn't mean that it's legitimate or an asset or that you should start You know, clicking on links contained there any more than you would an email.
2: Yeah, I'll snag it really quick. This is interesting. I came across that as well after CZ tweeted about it. He said that there was something underlying wrong with the Uniswap V3 contract, which actually freaked out a lot of people because that's a much bigger deal than one phishing scam out there. Phishing scams happen all the time. They're very unfortunate and it sucks to lose a lot of money, let alone $8 million. But Uniswap V3 going down would just be that would be the other shoe people have been waiting to drop. And that would really, really hurt the entire market. Obviously, very unlikely due to all the the coding and work that goes into these projects before they go live. Uh, but that would be on a whole different level of sophistication and a whole devil, different level of devastation for the entire ecosystem than just yeah. a phishing attack here for this attack. And I will note that CZ also followed up on his first tweet, correcting himself and saying it was just a phishing uh, scam. Uh, It's interesting to see these scams come around. They always take on a different form. but They always have the end result of being the same, which is you lose money. So be careful what you click on. Uh, And it does bring you back to what are the fundamentals of a smart contract, right? Basically, just computer code that executes movement of money on your behalf. And there's a lot of different signing devices. You have to use your keys that are located within your crypto wallet in order to move that money. But there's very sophisticated ways to hide that and make it happen in a way that you wouldn't expect it to happen. And then all of a sudden, you've signed your keys over to someone else and your money is gone. We've seen this a lot with NFTs, a lot with NFTs. And so yeah. it's it's not surprising to see this take on another shape. And I expect these just to get more more frightening and like they're going to happen more often in just more creative ways as like the basic ones seem to be known by most people. Uh, this is just something that's going to continue happening going forward. Dave, I'll throw it up to you.
3: Yeah. So one other point on the OPSEC element here is that the the money that was stolen was not from like a a software wallet. It wasn't, you know, the keys were not just sitting on somebody's desktop that got hacked or something. This was money that was actually staked to Uniswap. It was wrapped Bitcoin. Um, And I guess I don't know what exactly to say about that other than that, you know, there is fundamentally a somewhat higher risk when you're staking, when you're, when you're putting stuff on, um, especially if it's bridged, there's like a whole other layer of risk there. So I guess like the more active stuff you're doing with your funds on chain or on public systems, I mean, just understand that there is some degree of risk. Whereas if you took that ether um, and put it in a cold wallet and put it in your safe at home, uh, the chances of somebody being able to move that are much, much slimmer. And I think there are some good products out there that can protect people who are doing staking stuff. Just, you know, understand that the risk, just like investing your money anywhere, there is some degree of risk. So that, that kind of just understand that part of the picture, I guess, would be my advice to people.
0: All right, we will leave it there.
3: For those who might not remember the entire saga, going way back to 2013, I believe it was, when Mt. Gox got hacked for a giant amount of Bitcoin, obviously worth much less back then than it is now. But it has been winding its way through the Japanese bankruptcy court as Mt. Gox's remaining assets get allocated to its creditors and to depositors. And now almost a decade later, we're going to see what is now $3 billion worth of Bitcoin released to people who were account holders back in the day. They're finally getting it back. Um, They're getting back a mix of actual Bitcoin of Bitcoin cash, which was a fork in 2018. So everybody who was holding Bitcoin at the time got some Bitcoin cash. They're also going to get uh, USD cash. A lot of nuances there. But the main takeaway right now is that people are worried that that $3 billion worth of Bitcoin uh, is going to hit the market and is going to have an impact because people will just sell it. I don't know exactly whether that's the way it's going to play out. But Will, what do you think?
2: Yeah, this is interesting and it has historical precedent as well. So, back in 2019, there was actually a mini bull run for Bitcoin. Bitcoin started off around 6K being there and went as high as 14K by that summer, but it was stomped out prematurely and actually caught a few different Bitcoin hedge funds in the wake of it because a large project dumped a bunch of Bitcoins to the open market. The name of the project escapes me right now, unfortunately, but there is a few different Projects at the time that lost a bunch of their Bitcoin, and that led to obviously a huge supply gut on the market. People had to buy those coins back up, and the price of Bitcoin dropped as people were purchasing those bitcoins because there's just too many to buy right supply and demand at the end of the day. So mm. we could have this very similar situation here where all this Mt. Gox coins are released onto the open market, and that pushes the price of bitcoin down yeah. further and I think it's important to note, right we have this twenty one million rule in bitcoin it's never going to surpass that. That doesn't mean that the coins that are outstanding right now, about 19 plus million coins, are not just dist, uh distributed like evenly, right? There's some people who have a lot, there's some people who have a little, there's some that are locked, there's some that are lost, there's some that are lost right now, going to be found later. There's some that are like in this case locked up in a trust and are going to be sold onto the open market, or maybe they're just going to continue to be held. We don't really know. So oftentimes I think people look at Bitcoin's price and assume some sort of linear trend. But that's not the case, right? Because we don't really know where these supply pockets are hidden. And they only come to light every once in a while when the market matures or when interactions happen like this, where a court is able to move forward with these proceedings and liquidate some Bitcoin to the market. This would definitely be a blow to a lot of different parts of the crypto ecosystem. Bitcoin is still top dog. Wherever Bitcoin's price is, a lot of these other projects follow. If we see Bitcoin's price tank because of this general sell-off, then I think that would really hurt the market. But at the same time, it's inescapable, right? Regardless of when it happens, it has to happen at some point. So it might as well just happen now. Most of the
3: Bitcoin, I believe, are going to individuals rather than being Mm -hmm. liquidated by the administrator. So that's really important. But that leads to the question, Jen, I guess, would you sell Bitcoin if you suddenly got some right
0: now? I mean, I don't give financial advice, but probably not. I'm a, (laughs) Pondler till the day I die. But I was going to say, I had so much to say about phishing scams, and then we finished that segment. So that's oh, for another sorry. time. But the article mentioned the flippening, and I wanted to bring it back to that. So they said, you know, as the price of Bitcoin gets lower and lower, and the Ethereum merge could be coming up soon, you know, fingers crossed by the end of the year, could we see a flippening? And I wanted to take a vote with all of you guys. Do you think we'll see a flippening by the end of the year if the price of Bitcoin? continues to go down
3: uh i'll vote no i vote no
0: david says no wendy i'll
1: be with david is it
0: contingent is it contingent on ethereum actually
1: successfully merging over from pow to pos
0: i mean i think that's one of the factors i don't know if it's contingent if it's contingent on that then i would say there's a
1: strong possibility if it's not contingent on that then i'll say no okay
0: Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go with uh,
1: yes i mean
3: if the merge doesn't happen only optimistic person on the show sorry
0: I said, I'll continue to be the only optimistic on the show and go with yes. But David, to your point, if the merge, merge doesn't happen, probably there is a chance of zero.
3: But I also, I, do- I don't think that this is going to be a determinative event, right? We have 3 billion uh, Bitcoin going on the market. Some people like Jen are hodlers and people who had coins in, on Mt. Gox in 2013, I think are above average likely to be hodlers, right? They're people who had faith very early on. Wendy, what do you think?
1: The only thing that I want to add to that is if I had money, if I had if I had bought an asset let's say like let's say 7 years ago and it appreciated like very 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 big percentage, I would probably sell half of that asset so that I can, you know, do nice things for my family, pay debt off, you know, enjoy a good quality life. That would be how I would go about it because mm-hmm. you never want to have too much risks expo- exposed to anything.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that it's also notable, I mean certainly some people will sell One thing that I heard that was interesting in terms of context is that, um, you know, at least in the U.S., uh, emerging markets are starting to have some real problems. But at least in the U.S., the economy, the employment situation is still fairly solid. Um, So, you know, Americans and others who have good incomes, have good jobs. There's not a situation out where a lot of people are desperate for capital right now, at least on a retail level, individual holders. If you're three arrows, you're going to dump those Bitcoin. But uh, I don't know about that. Um, I gotta
1: disagree with that because I just kind of watching like real everyday people, even though people have great jobs right now and things are look like it's good. It's really not good. Like I remember mm. 2008, I remember seeing so many people that were a lot older than me that had six figure jobs. They lost all their jobs and it happened really, really, really fast. So I am not as optimistic about the job market and about the numbers that everybody else is right now.
3: Yeah, that is definitely a debate that's ongoing. Now, the other question is, some of this is going out in the form of Bitcoin cash. Do we need an explanation of Bitcoin cash? It was a fork that uh, was intended to make Bitcoin faster that launched in 2018. What do you guys think about the Bitcoin cash
2: that's going to come out of this?
1: Not financial advice, I dump,
2: think it. dump Bitcoin cash. Okay, I'll take it up right there before I move over to the last story segment, so GameStop. Bitcoin Cash has really been a disappointment for, I think, even the Bitcoin Cash supporters ever since 2018. It's Mm. failed to live up to its promise. It really hasn't picked up any adoption. Uh, It's not a very secure network. And for those who are going to get Bitcoin Cash out of this, I'm wondering what they do with it. Uh, Not really. Honestly, I think they're just going to dump it into a down market and push the price even lower. So I I think we get a a dumping of Bitcoin out of this as well, depending on who gets the Bitcoin eventually. Like either it's like hedge funds that have purchased the receipts for these Gox coins or to individuals, we'll see sort of a split of that supply. But Bitcoin cash, I would assume, is just going right down the tubes and turning into dollars. I'll give it away for the last topic, which
0: is GameStop. All right. Let's Mm. move on to GameStop. So their NFT marketplace has finally gone live. We've been talking about this for a long time. They announced this last year. They said in a statement that the platform is for gamers, creators, collectors, and other community members to buy, sell, and trade NFTs. Now, when this was announced, the market was really, really different. We've we've all been saying, you know, maybe the attitude of gamers are gonna change. So I did a quick Google this morning. I found an article from PC Gamer yesterday that mentioned, a gaming developer at a conference completely changed his, his talk to do a surprise talk on why NFTs suck to great uh, reception from the community. The talk went viral. It seems like gamers haven't really changed their tune. And now, now we have this NFT marketplace. So, David, I will take it down to you for your opinions.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, we can talk about this in terms of GameStop's overall strategy, but I think that the, the point about gamer sentiment is really important to put into some context, because the reason gamers are so hostile to NFTs is because they think of it as a new way for big game companies to extract money from them. And big game companies like Electronic Art and uh, you know, Blizzard Activision have really gone just absolutely buck wild with exploitative monetization. If you look at uh, this exciting new, it was an exciting new game called Diablo Immortal that is a mobile Diablo game from Activision Blizzard, and you can spend as much as like $100,000 on in-game purchases to level up your character. These companies are doing like loot boxes that have a random chance that are essentially gambling marketed to children. Um, A lot of this backlash to NFTs is not really backlash to NFTs so much as it is backlash to game company business practices that have been exploiting and sucking money out of their customers for years while delivering inferior products. And I think that GameStop has some challenges on that front because they're the one that they have partnerships with these big companies. This NFT marketplace is going to be oriented towards what the big companies are doing, whereas NFT gaming that is built from the ground up, that is exploring new applications for this technology that's not just sucking money out of people's pockets. There's more real potential there, but uh, you know, game companies have shot themselves in the foot on this. Jen, what do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I was just going to add in uh, a point. I was speaking to Michael Rubinelli from WAX Studios recently. He's their chief gaming officer. He came from the traditional gaming world. He now works in this blockchain Web3 gaming world. And he pointed to this, this trend that we've seen over gaming's lifetime that I think is not really discussed a lot when we talk about gaming and Web3. I don't know all of the milestones when it comes to gaming, but there have been these really transitory periods, you know, when we went from just like playing games on devices in your home to playing games online and having games that you can collaborate and play with your friends and having streaming games. And so this we've seen this reluctance from gamers before, and I think it's important to look at those trends and how we've come out of those trends. And so because of that, I'm I'm optimistic that eventually we will get there. But Will, I see you nodding away
2: yeah i like that discussion i also want to bring up another interesting point with gamestop that they've been basically rebuilding their entire business for quite a while now everyone knows like the whole gme saga with reddit from uh january was it of 2021 that was a huge storyline very interesting it's kind of died off in the midst of that they've been rebuilding from the c-suite all the way down last week they fired their cfo restructured the company did layoffs And part of this seems to be them refocusing on Web3 opportunities, whatever that means. It still seems sort of out there in the ether. We don't quite understand. This NFT project is definitely one of those things. Uh, Just to tap the brakes on a little bit, though, look at what Coinbase did, right? They tried to launch an NFT platform. They took well over a year to build that. And then they launched it into a bear market. And I haven't seen any headlines about it, which is sort of a negative, right? We had that one headline. We talked about it. Coinbase a few weeks ago with their beta program. And it's somewhat unfair to judge a beta program, but even the beta program was disappointing, right? Like not much volume, not yeah. many people using it. I don't know much about the stats of their current project. But again, we're not talking about on the show like we would like an open sea or a rare market or something like that. And so for GameStop to jump into it with their own NFT marketplace, I have to ask the same questions, right? It took you forever to build this you launch it into a bear market. And that was the whole pivot for your company and a reason for laying off some employees. It's just really difficult to look at these things and say, uh, you guys are making great calls here. When do throw it up to you So you get get your take on this story?
1: So there's a difference between Coinbase and GameStop. GameStop is completely trying to revamp and save their brand and transitioned into something that will be the future. I really, really think that NFTs, Web3, play to earn all of the that entire ecosystem is going to absolutely explode. I'm seeing it on the back end. I'm seeing it with consulting jobs I'm getting. I'm seeing it with my clients. It's but, but people have to understand we're still in beta with a lot of the stuff. It's going to take time. But then when you have a project like Coinbase, they should be, they should, I, I'm not understanding why they don't have a good read on the market. I have no idea why they would decide to launch an NFT marketplace after that run is over with or somewhat coming to a stop. So for me, as far as Coinbase goes, it wasn't really a smart thing to launch. It's not like they're rebranding. It's not like they're trying to revamp and save their entire business. They're just trying to hedge with what's coming next. I think they could have done a better job when they launched it and been a little bit more strategic in that aspect. And one thing that I will say is some of the people that are in clients I am consulting on on the back end that come from traditional markets that come from like traditional marketing, et cetera they have actually put on hold launching their NFT platforms or projects or collaborations that they're doing. And I think it's a very, very smart move to do that.
3: I'll actually kind of moderately push back against that, Wendy, because when you think about OpenSea, OpenSea also launched in a bear market or at least on the cusp of They were like the first
1: of their kind, though.
3: True. Yeah. And and that is the question, like how many NFT marketplaces do you need? But I'm not sure that waiting until the next bull run starts is actually Gonna help that much because you want the adoption happening amongst, frankly, the people who are paying attention when the hype is not that high. So maybe, I mean, there, I think you, there are multiple sides to this, but I definitely agree that GameStop does seem to be pursuing this with a kind of focus that uh, Coinbase doesn't have on much. Obviously, has to be something for the mass market, and so I think we might get just some uh, interesting innovations in terms of how that is presented and executed and security and things like that. Obviously, OpenSea has had some problems. So, you know, they they certainly have a window. It's a narrow window, but, you know, it's not without some potential promise.
0: All right. We're going to leave it there. That was our Tuesday show. I'm going to go have some tacos now. I think it's safe to say Wendy's probably going to go have some as well. Thank you so much. For watching The Hash Today on Coindesk TV. And if you were listening, you're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Lots of other awesome podcasts on there. So check them out. I'm Jensen Assey. On today's show, we had Wendy O, Will Foxley, and David Morris in the studio there looking fabulous. <laughs> Thanks for watching, and we'll see you Thanks, tomorrow. <laughs> Bye, guys.